Hashtag NFL. I think it's exciting. You, th- you you believe that you're getting the best player in the draft. Again, I've said many times, I don't like the process of how we got here, but now that we're here, it's, it's a good position to be in because nothing can alter who you want to go get. If you want to go get him, you go get him. It's somebody that you believe is going to be with your franchise for a long time. And so we, we put a lot of work into it. And I wouldn't say any pressure. We've done the work. You, you pick the player that you believe in and let the rest go from there. Cincinnati Bengals coach Zach Taylor. No pressure having the top overall pick. PK, whenever I hear someone say there's no pressure, I think, well, come on, there's a little pressure. I think it's offset in this case by the fact that he's a slam dunk number one. I think whoever had the top pick would want Burroughs. Or if you got an established quarterback, when you have an established quarterback, you're probably not picking first. But if there were a weird situation where that happened, you'd probably be leveraging that pick for a trade so someone else got him and you'd be getting multiple picks. If, they, if he fails, it's going to be, well, everybody would have done it. Kind of like a Lajuan. Oh, everybody would have picked him over, Michael. Oh, yeah, I don't know about that, man. I think that there is intense pressure on everything that they do every way, and I don't know everybody would have picked a Lajuan over Jordan. I mean, I've talked to – you listen to uh, Bob, Bob Knight talk and uh, the trail – yeah, the Trailblazers said that uh, they need a center, and he said, we'll play Jordan at center. Uh, so uh, I, I disagree with this coach here. You got the number one pick. You better cash in. Just because everybody fails, that doesn't mean that you have the, uh, not right, but you can get off the hook by failing because you're going to lose. Jobs are going to be lost and whatnot uh, if this kid is a bust. So I, I think at pro sports, man, there is pressure in everything you do. Patriots have agreed to trade Rob Gronkowski to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers along with a seventh-round pick in exchange for a fourth-round pick in this week's draft. Gronk, of course, reuniting with Tom Brady in Tampa and Gronk telling Fox Sports in a text message, I'm back. I always said when I have that feeling it feels right, I'll be ready to take the field again, and I have that feeling I'm ready. Gronk has a one-year $10 million, uh, has one year and $10 million left on his contract. So... He also talked about all the concussions, and it seems like he's put himself at risk for that. So feels like a little bit of spin here when he's coming up with the whole, uh, I always said that when I had that feeling it feels right, I'll be back. Because with the concussions, he was pretty definitive. He just didn't want to risk those. Well, then don't get out of bed because you might get hit by a car. Yeah, I mean, no matter what you're going to do, there's going to be a risk. So... Uh, if he's healthy, he's ready to go. I mean, everyone, every single player has a risk of concussions at any given time. So, and I, if he's had one, I don't know that the, the players, it seems like they, they don't even know if they have them. So I, I, I'm looking at the Tampa Bay thinking, all right, man, if he can regain his ability, then they've got, a, they already had a potent offense. I think they were third in scoring in the league last year. Uh, they had two receivers over a thousand yards, and obviously uh, Goodwin, uh, Godwin, and uh, Mike Evans. O.J. Howard is an emerging young tight end, and now you add Gronkowski. If he can get anywhere close to where he was, and Brady's still good, and you got uh, Arians there, the coach who's known as an offensive coach, all of a sudden, man, Tampa Bay got all sorts of exciting. I can believe the part about him feeling better as far as, you know, if you've got issues with a shoulder, a knee, a back, some combination of that, that would all feel better. And you're right. And they they had 
They already had a pretty good offense. They just need to eliminate some of those 30 interceptions. They're already throwing 30 touchdown passes, and it feels like they ought to be able to do that again with all the uh, with all the receivers they're going to have out there. It just feels like a it's going to be a nightmare for teams to defend. And when they play the Saints, that ought to be uh, you know first team to 40 wins. You'd think those two teams would go up and down the field and they'll square off twice. If we have the normal season, we all expect. All right, Niners GM John Lynch says the franchise briefly considered chasing Tom Brady in free agency, decided to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. The quote, when you're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time at Tom Brady, of course you're going to have some internal discussion, and then you hear rumors that, hey, he'd like to come home, that kind of thing. So, of course, Kyle Shanahan, the coach, Kyle and I have discussions. We're always into getting better, so you look at everything, especially a situation like that, but within a day or two, Kyle and I looked at each other and said, you know what, we really like what we have in Jimmy. Well, we saw the postseason run the Niners had. They had the lead going to the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl, and Garoppolo's much younger. So do you risk a decade with him when you could have uh, a year or two maybe with Tom Brady, but he's in his 40s? Pretty easy to see why they would stick with a guy they've already got who's much younger. Uh, Yeah, I would imagine there was just about every team in the league considered do we want to go after Tom Brady. Ravens star Lamar Jackson will be on the cover of Madden NFL 21. He says, it's always been a dream of mine since I was a little kid, since I first started playing Madden. It's dope. I have every Madden. To me, to be on it, in front of it, it's a dream come true. He also scoffed at the notion of the Madden curse, saying Patrick Mahomes is on the front and he won a Super Bowl MVP. I want that curse. I hope that's a curse. Even in a quote as you read it, Having you say it's dope, I just felt a little uneasy. <laughs> and there was one reason I left it's dope in that when I typed that up. <laughs> I was going to cut it out, but I was like, he's just going to read it's dope. We're yeah, there this. it is. <laughs> it is dope. <laughs> I'm just a little uncomfortable with it you is, saying that. It yeah, is just, dope, it my does, main man. doesn't have the same ring. <laughs> It doesn't have the same ring as when the kids said, yeah, I think that uh, Madden was deciding, as we know, it was either going to be Taysom Hill or Lamar Jackson. It was a tough call. Came right down to the end. DJ and PK. <laughs> Hashtag college football. Without fans, that uh, I guess anything's possible. I sure hope not. I, you know, we got a great home field advantage here at Rice Eccles, and uh, that would really impact us probably uh, more than most teams in the conference. But uh, you know, if it comes down to a season without fans or no season, then I, th- I think we're gonna. You know, that's the direction it, it could go, and so we've got to be prepared for that. Uh, and when I say prepared, there's nothing really we do differently. It's just that it'd be a completely different environment and, and very. Awesome to be in that situation, but but I uh, hope it doesn't come to that. We've got great fans here at Utah. We have close to 10 years uh, straight sellouts, you know, for 10 years straight, and uh, it's just been a, a terrific home field advantage. So we're hoping it doesn't come to that, but like I said, if it's that or no season, then I think uh, you're going to see uh, exactly that, you know, fan, no fans if, if that's the way that they think is the only op- alternative and the way they can get the season done. Whittingham meeting with the media, the Zoom uh, press conference, and no fans would be weird, no doubt about it. I think when you say you get ready for it, mentally the players just have to, you know, get used to the idea. I got to be all fired up and hopped up, and I just can't have the roar of the crowd picking up all this emotion, and you got to be ready anyway. I don't know what else you can do other than that. Uh, He had a lot to say. 
Yach sent us a bunch of cuts last night. You were actually on the call live, weren't you, PK? I was. Or, oh, you were on the call. I was live. listening to it yeah. after the fact. Yeah. So uh, we've got we got the next segment to get more into it. But you got one favorite thing you want to hit now, and then we can get to all the rest of it because you hit on a lot of things from players getting well, drafted to multiple things yeah. about the season. It was about 30 minutes or so. I listened to the whole thing. Uh, obviously, the fans there, it would be weird. It would be unusual. It would be unprecedented. Uh, literally something that is literally unprecedented. You know, that word maybe gets thrown around a little bit. But in this case, it would be. But everyone would be in the same boat. Uh, so, you know, you're not going to have fans at one stadium and not have them at the other. I wouldn't think anyway. So they'll have to adjust to that if it comes to that. You know, I don't know where we are in the timeline on that situation. But it, everyone would have to do the same. I mean, you can argue that going out on the road and playing in a hostile environment, that always have to say. Anytime you use the word hostile, it either has to uh, go precede the crowd or environment. Those are the two times. It's like, are you following a cue every time? So maybe some people get fired up for that. Uh, a great home field advantage. I think they have a great home field. I think when they have great teams, they have a great home field advantage. But when they don't have great teams, I don't think it really matters where you play. Washington was thought to have a great home field advantage. And the Utes went up there last year. I was there, and they beat them. So I, that doesn't really matter. I don't think they have a great home field advantage. I think you have a great team, which leads to the great home field advantage. And I love these sellouts, man. I've got to, I've got to figure out what exactly a definition of sellout is. Is it every seat is oh, occupied I know that. or, or the, what? The definition of a sellout is, is whenever they tell you it's a sellout. <laughs> they say oh, okay. it's a sellout, and then you look up, and there's clearly gray uh, steel bleachers in the top right corner that aren't full, rows of them. It's usually a pie-shaped section. We know what it looks like. Yeah. But if they want to continue to say that and that's something that they can use in recruiting, great. Uh, good good on them. But I just don't know that it matters one versus the other because everything would be even in that situation. It would be weird. Uh, and I'll take it versus no games. And we'll get to that coming up. But we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I think that uh, where the advantage would be is there's some places weren't drawn. Last year, Stanford and UCLA, just tiny crowds. So playing in front of nobody instead of playing in, in front of 12,000 people, I don't know that that's that different. I don't think that's a big deal. Now, obviously, if you're Utah and Oregon and, you know, the, the place is going nuts and it's really loud, you think you get some advantage off that. I'm with you as far as it's good when they have a good team. Everybody talked about how awesome Rice-Eccles Stadium was the first, you know, three, four, five years they were in the conference because it was the first time people were coming up here and it was loud and it's picturesque and, you know, it's this beautiful setting and it's really loud. But their record wasn't that good, especially in conference games. I mean, they win all their non-conference games. But in conference games, they're basically 500. As they've gotten better these last five years, they've had some pretty good stretches. But even then, when they started a sophomore quarterback, they're basically 500 at home. Now, these last two years with Huntley right. getting in the groove and getting up to speed, they've been lights out at home. They've been very, very good. Uh, but it's still, it really does follow how good your team is. You know, they're 3-3 three and three one year, and then they're 6-1 and one another year. So, 7-0 and oh another year. So, it does come down to how good your team is. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we got some more college football news here. Uh, mostly... 
We've heard that it's going to be a big hit on the budget, but they're already bracing for that at a lot of schools. Boise State's coaching staff will be furloughed for 10 days as part of the university's plan to cut costs, facing $10 million in losses due to the partial shutdown. Uh, all employees of the university who are making over forty grand are subject to the furloughs. Brian Harson will forfeit 63000 as $1.65 million salary. Louisville AD Vince Tyra said his department will cut 15% from its sports budgets, furloughed staff this week, and further economic moves resulting from COVID-19. Uh, more details expected today. They're going to be trimming $15 million. Uh, regardless of whether they get the TV money from this football season or not, regardless of whether they're selling tickets to the games and concessions and merchandise inside the stadium and all that stuff, I think the schools already know donors are going to be cutting back. People are going to be giving less than they used to give. You know, whether it's people owned businesses who are taking a hit, people who uh, had investments in the stock market who are taking a hit, they know there's some kind of hit coming. That The question is, how big is it going to look like? So obviously some schools trying to get out in front of it here. So what you're saying is obviously Boise State has had their financial issues. I see what you did there. No, no, Yach. You already made me read. It's dope. <laughs> I can't get to the drops on it's this. just as well. Uh, there are currently no plans to change the format of the four-team college football playoff or adjust the selection committee's protocol for choosing the top four teams. That's from Bill Hancock, a college football playoff executive director. He talked to ESPN on Tuesday after two days of their virtual spring meetings. My bosses are happy with the CFP, Hancock said to the 10 Commerce Commissioners and Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick. But they're talking. They will continue to talk. Obviously, the logic here is increase it to eight teams, get more money, and offset some of these losses that athletic departments are going to be facing. The logistics in the short term, probably a little trickier to work out, especially since they don't even know when they'd be having the playoff. And we'll get to this with Kyle coming up, all the multiple start dates for the season that they're potentially juggling out there. Don't know when the playoff is going to hit. And then you're going to try to double the size of it at the same time and rework a bunch of contracts. I can see why they don't want to take it on, but I don't see how the discussion is going to stop because schools need more money. I say Selection Sunday. Have a field of 64. (laughs) DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Bucks guard George Hill says his wife's 85-year-old grandmother recently battled COVID-19 and that, quote, by the grace of God, she beat it. Hill had been quarantined in San Antonio during the downtime, has not been staying with his wife's grandmother. Steve Kerr told ESPN's Rachel Nichols that he and other Bulls teammates did not resent Scottie Pippen for undergoing foot surgery just before training camp in 1998. That was part of the the last dance, the whole second. We saw two of the ten episodes on Sunday night, and the whole second one focused on Pippen and the contract issues. And Jordan had the interview conducted recently, looking back, saying that basically Pippen made a mistake there and that that was selfish. And Steve Kerr feeling comfortable speaking on behalf of the rest of the team says, eh, we got it. It was early in the year. It's 82 games. You think that just comes down to Jordan and his killer mentality, PK? Uh, I like the idea of Jordan's killer mentality, but debating whether the team resented or didn't resent something of Scottie Pippen did 22 years ago, I don't give a flying you-know-what. But uh, I like the idea of discussing the killer mentality that you need to have. And I'm glad that George Hill's uh, 
grandmother-in-law beat it. But John Prine, and there's been obviously tens of thousands of others who've died in our country from that. Does that mean that John Prine is a, was a musician, obviously, by the grace of God, he didn't beat it? Yeah, I don't have a good answer for you on that one. Stuff that's above my pay grade. <laughs> the, well, you're an elder in your church. Don't you know these things? <laughs> I got way more questions than I got answers. <laughs> Uh, Mike Malone, the uh, Nuggets coach, uh, had a Zoom press conference with the local media, and he got into the last dance, and he has a unique perspective because uh, as an assistant coach, he worked with LeBron, and as a kid, this will shock you, but as a kid, his dad was a head coach and assistant coach in the NBA. Yak is mock passing out. And so he was around MJ. His dad was with the Raptors, and they gave the uh, 96 Bulls one of their 10 losses. And so he didn't have a problem saying that as awesome as LeBron is, what he's lacking is the killer mentality that MJ had and that really nobody was wired the way MJ was. Uh, That was really Malone's point. Uh, And if you want to go that athletically, you know, LeBron's a little bigger, and so that gives him more options. Great. But Jordan's killer mentality sets him apart. It goes back to what you and I were discussing yesterday. Certainly, the what would have been the 2011 finals when they lost to the Mavericks, up 2-0. You and I both yeah. think Jordan would have closed that out one way or another. That would have gotten done. And honestly, the, the Spurs in 14, I think Jordan would have pulled that off. I think if Jordan had been dealt the hand LeBron has been dealt as far as the teammates around him and all that, you know, to say that he would have been five and four in the NBA Finals, I mean, you can argue it forever because it didn't happen. But I think five and four is the right ballpark for where he would have been. None of those Cav teams were overmatched. Uh, the first year he was overmatched. The first year he was back, they had the injuries and didn't have two of their three best players. That's the kind of stuff. You know, Magic Johnson was five and four in the NBA Finals. You can be an all-time all-timer and be five and four in the finals. So, but I, well, I think you that's think what, Jordan would have lost in the finals four times. You got to be kidding me! You're absolutely nuts. Uh, There's no way he would have lost four you think times he in the NBA Finals. He would have taken down the healthy uh, Durant, uh, Steph Curry teams. Yeah, I don't think he would have. Those guys wouldn't have gotten injured. They would have come out and played. <laughs> well, Jordan would have made them play. They weren't playing right, Cleveland on, the year they come on. Injured. Oh, he would have made Irving come out and play, and he would have made Love come out and play with his shoulder popped out of the socket. No, I don't think he would have. He would have got the best out of whoever the replacement was, though. There's no way he loses four. And you talk Magic Johnson. Yeah, because he was going up uh, once they got injured against Mm -hmm. the Pistons. So that was one. So if we got injury there, we've got to give injury over here. And he was also playing the Boston Celtics, which had a slew of Hall of Famers. And LeBron lost to Dirk Nowitzki? Get out of town. you got to be kidding me. It's dope. All right, what is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. It's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Brian Keel is going to join us at 8.30, former BYU linebacker, former fourth-round pick in the 2008 NFL Draft. The draft coming up Thursday night. Talk with Brian Keel about that. Thor Nystrom, lead NFL draft analyst for Roto World NBC Sports on where the Utes are going, what he thinks is going to happen with Jordan Love. We'll get to all that coming up next. 
Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media for about half an hour yesterday. Did the Zoom press conference. We got a lot more from Kyle on some of the players that will be drafted, how they progressed at Utah, what he thinks of uh, where they'll end up, and a lot more from Kyle on what he thinks might happen this season. Lays out some of the scenarios for how the season might play out and what that would mean for the Utes. Kyle Whittingham coming up next. Stay with us. Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. The state epidemiologist for the Utah Department of Health, Dr. Angela Dunn. Predictions in pandemics with novel viruses are not too smart to make, but there are signs throughout the country the peaks of cases will probably be in June, and we might see a decrease in the warmer months and then potentially have another run of COVID-19 in the fall when all the respiratory viruses are circulating. So that's where we're planning for, but hoping that we never see COVID-19 again. I know what we're asking the public to do is hard with the social distancing, but the last thing we want to do is open up everything too early and see a huge spike in cases. So patience, understanding, and social distancing are crucial right now. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. All right, DJ and PK, Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media. He had uh, several things to say about the upcoming season. Yak, we got several cuts to play. You want to hit us with the first one right here? And uh, we will uh, get to it. Kyle Whittingham with the media. So PK wanted to talk about the the conversation that Kyle talked about yesterday with the fact that the college football season is probably going to be affected in some way, form, or fashion. PK had a question up on your Facebook page, DJ and PK. You can check it out there. Here's his comment on following the NFL's lead potentially. I guess it's feasible. Now you're starting to impact the next season, you know, spring ball and that type of thing. So there's going to have to be concessions made on the back end, um, which, uh, you know, is doable. But, you know, we'll see. I think the, the real important thing is that there is a football season. I think that's that's going to be critical to to uh, virtually every athletic department in the country, uh, the NFL. I mean, that's – and it's really a trickle down. I think if the NFL is not playing, I don't see any way we're playing. And if we're not playing, I don't see any way – schools playing and so it's really you know in the nfl they're kind of the leaders in this thing and and uh, as soon as they get some sort of uh, hard and fast model which they're not going to be able to do for for several weeks either because of the circumstances but it, it trickles down and and we'll take a lot of the nfl uh model and and what they're doing and apply it to us and i'm sure high school will do the same thing with with what we're doing and and uh, that's just how i foresee it uh, shaking out he posted that, PK, and the reaction, uh, Dylan, there's no reason why college should play, at least if the NFL doesn't. And Janice says, I don't think college and high school are dependent on the NFL. Maybe I'm naive, but I like watching college the best. I don't think it has to do with what you like watching. I just think that the pros, there's a lot of money at stake, and they're more likely to take a little bit of a chance with the health of those players. I think the colleges are really – thinking if we don't bring students back on campus, how can we possibly bring student-athletes back, put their health at risk, and if someone gets sick, uh, the liabilities through the roof, I think that would shut it down. I think that's what Kyle's going at. I actually see a way where they can play uh, without students being on campus. I mean, if, it, if, you, if you go to online, and a, a significant portion of students are already taking classes online, 
I mean, there's literally colleges that are entirely online where you can get certified degrees in in that manner. Western so, Governors University. I really say that WGU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we go and you talk to when we're down at Pac-12 Media Day, and you talk to kids, you talk to the quarterback who's a senior. What's it like being on campus? Well, I don't really go on campus. I'm taking my I'm taking my classes online, so I just go to the facility, the football facility, and the stadium, and, and the training, and all that stuff. So I'm not on campus that much, uh, particularly the older kids. But uh, that's neither here nor there. We'll have to see that how that plays out. Uh, but uh, I can see what he's saying as far as the NFL taking the lead from the safety standpoint, not from the logistical standpoint, from from the safety standpoint. If they're not playing, uh, will we not play? And, man, that would be a major blow. At that point, there would be all sorts of unrest because we would be dealing with this thing for many months and I think so many of us look forward to the start of in college football because college football goes first in terms of playing games that actually count, not the preseason stuff, but the games that actually count. And so if that's not the case, man, that would be really, really significant. That would, that would hurt me greatly because I enjoy college football way more than I do the NFL. And to me... Pac-10, now 12. It's something that, you know, no matter who's playing, I can watch. And I'm into all the games. And I don't get a chance to see all the games because I'm working that day. But I always watch them during the week when the Pac-12 network plays the 60-minutes things that they have. They condense it without, you know, the time off between plays for the huddle and whatnot. So... I would I would cry. That would hurt me personally if it didn't happen. I, I just I can't imagine. I know it's possible, and probably for the right reasons if it doesn't happen for sure. But I would be I would be just be upset. Jim will not be upset. He posted, "We will survive," and Russell says, no, "I'll be just fine, actually." Sean is in such not a me. positive frame of mind. He's not even. Con- he's like, we will play this year. Definitive statement. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because I don't think uh, you'll be fine. Because if NFL and college isn't playing, just think of all the other things that are out there that have been affected. So to say you'll be fine, that is short-sighted and ridiculous. I'm with you on that. Football does not exist, and, and neither do college sports in a bubble. If it can't go, then a lot of stuff can't go. And if it can go, then there'll be a lot of other stuff that's going on. If it's safe for people to go to football games, it's safe for people to go to the movies. Yeah. Concerts. You know, go whatever your thing is. School. Yep. Yeah. Could you imagine these people, these working parents, what they must have to be going through if they're trying to try to get a job? Meanwhile, their kids are at home. Yep. And they've got uh, around here, you got four kids under the age of 10 and uh, over the age of four. <laughs> what they must be going through? Hey, come on, man. That's got to be awfully difficult to be in that situation. I got a 15 year old and. Uh, just yesterday, I only pleaded uh, probably 10 times, would you please do your schoolwork? The DNF that you're getting right now is not acceptable, especially after the first trimester when you got a 3.8. 
Yeah, you so are. Don't tell me yeah. you can't do it. You are not but, the only one having that discussion. There's no of way. Of course not. That discussion is happening in every county and every school district and every school. Mama Hatch called me the other day and said, hey, my youngest brother's still in high school. And she called me up and said, you need to motivate this kid a little bit. <laughs> so I'm getting wrangled into this. I mean, the Snickledorfs know because they're geniuses and they get massive scholarships and they're Absolutely. highly motivated individually. And, you know, if you get a 92, you have a family council. But, you know, other, the rest of us, you know, we're dealing with issues. And, and, and God bless you, Snickledorfs. I mean, you really are role models. We're having a lot of family councils. <laughs> Eric says, I stopped watching the NFL around five or six years ago. It hasn't inconvenienced me in the slightest. And Ryan Post, same, Eric, same. Okay, so that's not the point. That's an interesting proposition. Uh, yeah, it's not the point. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not the point. But how many people are way into college who pay zero attention to the NFL? I think zero is harsh. I think that people definitely have their favorites. They appreciate one more than the other. But to say you didn't watch any NFL football, I mean, I get that you don't camp out in front of a triple header and watch three games in a row on a Sunday, plus watching Thursday and Monday night. I get that. But you you see the ratings for the biggest games. I mean, who are the people watching those? i got to believe there's some crossover. There have been different times where I've been more fired up about college or more fired up about the NFL. I've never stopped watching the other one. One might be more compelling at a time based on whatever storylines are going on or if a team where you live is on, you know, on fire or not. Um, you know, we've seen that in basketball here. Uh, you know, college basketball at times has been more important or less important. And it got more important this year because we had a couple teams with great storylines. But two, three years ago... It was an afterthought. None of the teams got anything going here. So I get that it ebbs and flows a little bit, but uh, to stop watching something completely for five years, that seems like a stretch. Yeah, I don't believe that. I believe that's a lie. For me, it's in the last 40 years, it's never ebbed and flowed. I've always had college football be more important than the NFL. I don't have an NFL team. I don't have an NFL conference. I don't have an NFL division. Uh, But it's never been... Uh, to the point where I didn't pay attention to it. Absolutely not. They're the best players in the world, obviously. There's some thrilling, thrilling games. The NFL playoffs are just massive and awesome. And I I watch every game that I possibly can in the NFL playoffs. And, I mean, come on, Thanksgiving morning, you're not watching. I mean, maybe the Lions, but by afternoon, you're not watching the Cowboys, whoever they're playing. I don't buy it. I call BS. <laughs> and you're right. I think the pros have ebbed and flowed here. I think the uh, that era when Steve Young and Ty Detmer were playing in the NFL, I mean, regular season games were getting playoff-type ratings. People were talking about it on sports talk radio. People you bumped into at work were talking about it. And then it cooled off because those guys had a pull that you know most don't have. So I get how that ebbs and flows. Okay, but where been, did it stem from? Oh, it stemmed from the college. And here, because we don't have an yeah, NFL team. so they team, go hand in hand. Right. Because we don't have an NFL team 
in in college, and we always hear this. You know, like we have Yogi Roth, right? Yogi Roth doesn't live here, but he's been coming on the radio so often, and he's come to town to broadcast games. And we see him when he comes for you know spring football. He gets how into it we're in college football, and other places aren't that into it. And he talks about that. It's just it's crazy here that he gets calls from multiple shows, multiple stations. And uh, what coach was it who gave you that great line at Pac-12 Media Day? Was it Tedford? Jeff, yes. Yeah. Another Salt Lake radio station? What did he say? You got to be bleeping bleeping me? me? Well, there's a promo I still play every so often, one of our greatest ones. It was Yogi came on. I said, Salt Lake City is SEC quality in terms of their love and depth of love for for college football year-round. That's absolutely true. I've had Pac-12 people tell me on the road, one guy in particular in the restroom at Sun Devil Stadium, and I'm talking to him, and he says, we just love having Utah in the conference because you guys care so much about it, and we know about that. We know about the stations. We know about putting our guys and gals on your uh media outlets whether they be print or electronic and because you guys are fanatics and we know that you're talking about it year round he's telling me all this he said they're very much aware now the flip side of what he wasn't saying is that's just not the case in colorado i mean that that was he didn't say that but that's what he was leading to and he didn't say that that's uh, that's not the case in the bay area and that's not the case in uh, the Phoenix area because it's not. It's it's 90 percent Cardinals during the season, and we know in the Bay Area uh, it's uh, related to that. I don't know as much as Seattle because I haven't spent as much time in Seattle, but I certainly imagine that the Seahawks dominate, and we know that's the case over there. Uh, along the front range in Denver. I've been there many, many times over the years. And these guys in the Pac-12 offices just love having the Utes in there for the attention that it brings the conference because they're excited about it. And the more people talk about it, the more excited they are, the better it is for your conference. So they just they totally love having the Utes in the, in the conference. Yeah, I think in Seattle, and we could have, uh, we could have Ian Furness on, and he could speak to this because he travels with the Seahawks, and he's been traveling. You'd have to ask him how many years he's been traveling, but it's a pretty good chunk of time. I don't know exactly what it is. The Seahawks are bigger. I mean, the Seahawks are the biggest deal, but I don't think that it's led to you know apathy and no interest in Washington, not in the same way that you see in Colorado and Northern California, because it really has led to apathy around um, Colorado's football program. And despite their success on the field, a surprising amount of apathy around Stanford, Cal probably not as surprising because they haven't had the success on the field. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in L.A. because, man, when USC had it going, it was all-encompassing. And they've lost a little bit of their mojo on the field. And obviously there's two NFL teams in town. So it kind of remains to be seen how that's going to play out. Is uh, I don't USC going to get it going? I don't again? think it – yeah, I don't think it remains to be seen. I mean, I've been in Los Angeles when there has been two professional teams, and when SC is at the top of his game, it, there's enough people uh, and enough attention 
to be divvied around. I think SC is the exception in terms of when you're in a professional market, what is your slice of the pie? When SC's got it going on, even with the other teams being really good, and I've been there, I've worked in the sports department when that has happened, the SC Trojans still garner a significant amount of attention. They're, I think that in our conference anyway, they're the one team that can say that it really doesn't matter. Now, maybe that'll change with this new stadium and the teams playing in there, but uh, we know, uh, Pete Carroll, I wasn't down there, but we know that they were the top dog because they didn't have any professionals. But when you go back to when they did have the professionals, I was there, and SC was still the big dog that got a significant amount of attention if they deserved it. If you don't deserve it, that's another story. People are going to move on from you. And maybe that changes going forward because, you know, it's been 25 years since I've been there and things can change. But I have a feeling if SC is ranked in the top two or three in the country, that they're going to get as much love as they always get. Now, obviously, can they get to that level? That's the question that remains to be seen. Although I've been looking at these recruiting things, which is so stupid to do, but it's out there on Twitter, and you look at it. And you got nothing else to do. this last season, (laughs) yeah, this last season recruiting, you know, they were down. But this year, they're already, they're well ahead of everybody else in the conference. I mean, I saw a thing that listed the top 10 recruiters by commitments already. I think, wow, we're still so long away. That's like... uh, you know, basing the Super Bowl uh, participants after week two of the NFL season or something. You know? <laughs> There's so much work to be done and so much time to be done. But anyway, SC, the point I'm making is that they've been back uh, in the recruiting game, so to speak, and doing very well so far. Now there's so much more time to go before you get to the closing date and, and any number of things can happen, obviously. But uh, SC, yeah, when they're, when they're riding high, they're... You know, at least in our part of the country, you know, I don't know how necessarily it compares to SEC and whatnot, but SC can still gather that attention, whereas the others can't. Whereas Utah and Oregon, I mean, they stand alone, right? I mean, right. They, they just got they got it going on big time. When things are going well, no, there's no place better. I think what remains to be seen in L.A. is the Rams, and obviously they had a great tradition there, and they were gone for a couple decades, and since they've come back, they've, they've had a Super Bowl team. They lost to the, the Patriots, but they got to the Super Bowl, but we still see games where, you know, there's 40,000 Niner fans there. Now, I went to games in San Diego, and you've been to games in Arizona, and I wouldn't think it would be surprising in Arizona if a visiting team had five or 10,000 fans at a game. It's the nature of the Sun Belt, and it's a town people want to go to, so either people are living there or people travel. But 40,000 visiting fans, man, that, that's a little bit of a red flag. You've got you to have a better fan base than that. 40,000, you know, there's, there's issues. Something's going on. So we'll see if the Rams can, uh, you know, win enough to win the town back over and, you know, give them a few years to do it at the same time. But I think you're right. If SC's, uh, if SC's got 10 wins and is chasing the 11th win, I would expect their stadium to be full. USC, Oregon, and Utah, three that can always always generate interest. And Washington's probably done the 
the best job competing against an established, popular NFL team. All right, DJ and PK, we got more from Kyle Whittingham coming up uh, later in the show. We got Brian Keel on the way at 8.30. We got a national uh, football writer writing about uh, BYU's program, not so much the team, more the program. We'll get to that coming up at 8 o'clock. DJ and PK, what'd you watch next? Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Tony Pauline, NFL draft analyst. I've been around Jordan for the last three years. Know him well. Where do you anticipate he lands, and uh, is he a first-round pick? I do believe he's a first-round pick. I think he's a mid-first-round pick. The Miami Dolphins have been scouting Jordan Love hard for the past three years. They like Jordan Love a lot. been a big fan of uh, Jordan Love. I think you've got to really go back and watch the film on him in 2017, 2018 to get a complete uh, analysis of, of his game, I think in the right system, he'll do well at the next level. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. What'd you watch last night? What is on? Uh, binge-watching The Office, powering through Season 7. Grabbed some of that last night. Then my my daughter was going to watch a movie, and I don't know if my wife ended up watching it or not. I checked out. <laughs> got, got a little Kyle Whittingham and started reading up for the show all the stuff we were talking about earlier about the, the Mike Malone quotes on uh, MJ and uh, Steve. I guess the Pac-12 network uh, doing some stuff with Steve Kerr and that got to some Kerr quotes on uh, Jordan, some of which we shared earlier. So that was that was my night. How about you, PK? Oh, yeah, I watched a ton of stuff. I started it off with the 1984 series, I think it was, Game 5, the deciding game between Detroit and the Knicks. And a couple things stuck out at me. Bernard King, heck of a player, had over 40 points in that game. It went into overtime. The Pistons had a furious rally. And Bernard King, I'm not sure Bernard King got his due on what a great player he was, and I know there were some other issues involved there. I'll take but no. in that particular game, he was he was outstanding. I mean, he was really, really good. And then on the other side, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, I think, has gotten his due. You know, we know about getting uh, gypped on the Dream Team and all that stuff. But Isaiah Thomas was a great, great player. There's no question about that. Hall of Fame, all that stuff. Uh, won a couple of titles and... You know, I don't know about his coaching and GM stuff or what have you, but as a player, he was sensational. And then, you know, the one of the things that I noticed, there was hardly any tattoos on these guys. And I know that's not politically correct, and you would never say anything like that. But I certainly noticed it that in 1984 that the, the players weren't all inked up. And uh, But that was a fun game to watch. Hubie Brown was coaching. And he had on a, just a white shirt and tie, not a uh, sport coat, which I think these guys wearing these big fancy suits. I've always, I've always appreciated the Bob Knight Majerus attire for games. I don't know why they have to wear suits, but uh, Hubie Brown coaching his butt off. One of the assistants that he had was a uh, look like, uh, I should probably check it, but it certainly looked like a very much of a young, young Rick Pitino uh, I assume that was who it was. I didn't look it up. But that was fun. I didn't remember who won that game in 1984, but it was scored in the 130s, so they had a lot of up and down. That was fun. And then I watched, uh, flipped over to the Pac-12, and they were doing some stuff on the two Sun Devils who are going to be drafted 
uh, Eno Benjamin and Ayuk, the receiver, and they showed some games. And I actually watched the first half of Arizona State, Oregon last year. That was the same. I was in the state, but I was uh, about 100 miles south in Tucson because the Utes were beating up on Arizona that night. And that game was going on. It was not simultaneous, but it did overlap. And in the press box, because obviously the Utes were winning and they were going to win, and everyone was focused on that ASU-Oregon game because from the Ute perspective, they wanted Oregon to win so that the Utes can beat Oregon in the Pac-12 title game and get into the postseason. Now, none of that happened. Uh, The Sun Devils, who had lost four in a row, somehow inexplicably won that game, as we know. And then, of course, Oregon beat the uh, Utes beat them up in the Pac-12 title game, and that gave Oregon its second loss. And it really, as I'm watching that game, two things stuck out to me is that I say it every year, there's upsets in the Pac-12 that you just don't see coming. And certainly in that situation, that was one of them with the Devils having lost four in a row. And Oregon hadn't lost, what, since their opener against Auburn? Was that their yep. other loss yeah. uh, that they had? And to me, uh, the Pac-12, expecting somebody to go undefeated and go 9-0 and and then actually have to go 10-0 and is just really unrealistic in this conference. It's yet to happen. It's not happened once. And we're going into the 10th season, right? And so they've got to find a way to get... Uh, at least six teams involved, if not eight, into the playoff because expecting a team to go undefeated in the Pac-12 is impossible. And then what you're requiring them under the circumstances then is to play a dog non-conference team, conference schedule, excuse me. So in my mind, the winner of that game should have gone to the playoff, Uh, but... It didn't. It didn't even, they weren't even really considered. Once Once Oregon lost to the Devils and then the Utes lost to Oregon, neither team was considered. And Oregon, if they – suppose they would have only had the one loss to ASU and they would have played Chico State instead of Auburn and they go 3-0 and in the non-conference. So you're penalizing them from growing across the country. Was that game in Atlanta? Do you guys remember? Was on the other side of the country, wasn't it? It's was either Dallas uh, when or when they played. I don't uh, which I can look it up. Yeah, it maybe was, Dallas it was in or right. Yeah, they it was do. the Chick Fil A kickoff. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was in Atlanta. So you're going to go over an SEC country and lose a fairly close ball game, and uh, then you lose one game by three points on the road in Pac-12 play, and you're eliminated. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think they've got to come up with a better system. Uh, one other thing, uh, when we were getting ready to uh, binge watch The Office, I turned on the TV, and it was a few minutes while everyone was getting organized and getting over there. And so I was just watching what was on, and I had flipped it on, and what I hit was the um, classic Yankee Mariner Game 5, 1995. And it was still relatively early in the game. I think the game went 11 innings. And they didn't have the box up, you know, the, the Fox box that everyone ended up copying. with the. So you just instantly know the score in the inning. It, it felt like the way they were talking, like it must have been 6th or 7th inning or something like that. And I could look it up in the box score because what happened in the 20 minutes or so I watched Killing Time is that A-Rod came in as a pinch runner. And it was awesome, the commentary, PK, like, they believe this is the shortstop of the future here in Seattle, the number one pick. And I'm like, 
wow, it was long enough ago that A-Rod was right at the start, and they had to convince the national audience he was a shortstop of the future. But I looked it up, and he had played... 17 games. He must have come up in September of 94, and then he played 48 games in 95 and was on the postseason roster, but he wasn't he wasn't an everyday guy yet. That started in 96 at the age of 20. So it was 19-year-old A-Rod coming in to pinch run with the whole season on the line. So, that was pretty A-Rod cool. A-Rod is a pinch runner, yeah. Must have been a very young-looking A-Rod, and now he, one half of the power couple of uh, A-Rod and J-Lo, Rumored to be interested in purchasing the Mets. Anything to turn the Mets around. Who's me- who's more messed up, the Mets or the Knicks? I would take the Knicks, but the Mets are giving them a run for their money. So, changing ownership couldn't hurt. All right, DJ and PK. When we come back, a National College football writer writing about uh, BYU and some other schools and uh, moving things around on demand. We will get to that and what he says about the Cougars and their program next.